95% of Americans claimed to be Christians in the 1920s. And I thought about that, the roaring 20s, right? Uh, if you know anything about history, um, Billy Sunday didn't believe 95% of people were Christians in his day, and I don't believe they were either. Likewise, 63% of Americans today identify as Christian, uh, but I don't buy that number as well. I don't, uh, 65% may identify as Christians, but 63% aren't born again. And we can tell that just by the way our society uh, functions and how people live their lives. And there's this discrepancy we find throughout Scripture uh, where people may identify as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, but their lifestyles don't match up with that confession. There's a discrepancy, and I think that's why Jesus said this in Matthew 7.21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And a person may identify as a Christian because they believe in Jesus, or maybe they, they believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, he is the Savior, but there is more to being a Christian than believing. And we find this throughout Scripture. Um, as a Christian, it's someone who has repented of their sins. And in today's modern presentation of the gospel, I don't know why repentance is being left out. It's crucial. How can we be saved from our sins if we're not willing to turn away from our sins? So a Christian is someone who has repented of their sins, come to Christ by faith, and they have experienced new birth. A Christian follows the life and teachings of Jesus. We just don't read about them and think, hey, these are some great ideas. No, we put them into practice. A Christian is humble. They're submissive to Christ as their Lord. A Christian is committed to the mission of the Great Commission. Everyone shares this wonderful responsibility of making disciples. A Christian produces spiritual fruit. The life of Christ is evident within them. So there's more to being a Christian than believing or identifying as a Christian. We've been focusing on, on these words throughout this series and it's John 3, uh, chapter, verse 7, John chapter 3, verse 7, do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born again. Jesus says to this man, Nicodemus, and if you think of the context of the, the conversation, it's the same verse where Jesus says that uh, for God so loved the world, the famous John 3, 16 verse, and then also within the same context, he says you must also be, a born, be born again. So unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. The disciples of Jesus could not receive the Holy Spirit and experience new birth until after Jesus was crucified and raised from the grave. The disciples received the Holy Spirit and were born again on the evening of the resurrection. This would be their first opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit cannot be received until after the resurrection. So on the evening of the resurrection, we see in John chapter 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, after the disciples received the Holy Spirit, they're born again. Jesus spends the next 40 days with them, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And just before Jesus departed from the disciples and ascended into heaven, he also shares these words in Acts chapter 1, verses 4, 5, and 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, you have heard from me, 
For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And in verse 8, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. When Jesus shares these words with his disciples, when he gives them this promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, remember, these people are born again. They received the Holy Spirit on the evening of the resurrection. Jesus breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus tells these disciples before he ascends into heaven, he spent 40 days with them, there's a promise. You've been, you're born again. You receive the Holy Spirit. But now there's this other promise that I'm talking about. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you shall receive power. You shall be witnesses. So Jesus instructs the disciples to go back into Jerusalem, wait for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so we know this, if you do the math, the, the disciples waited 10 days. They prayed, they sought the Lord for 10 days. And on the 10th day, they received this promise. Again, we read about this in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came from a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there were appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, all of the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with, uh, spoke with other tongues after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, tongues spoken by the disciples, and this is where we get kind of confused sometimes in, in our Pentecostal churches, tongues is not the purpose for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Tongues in this instance are a sign. But the purpose Jesus made very clear for receiving this promise, the, the purpose was outlined in Acts 1.8. Just before he ascends into heaven, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. There's the purpose. The purpose for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is power which enables a born-again believer to be a witness and carry out the mission of the Great Commission. And we understand this, carrying out the Great, the great Commission is more than preaching, it's more than having church. It's to be a spirit-empowered witness, to make disciples. You know, I can preach the gospel and I can share that at church, and that's great, I think we should, but it's more beneficial, it has a greater impact if we as a church are out there sharing the gospel. And more than just, you know, opening our Bibles and sharing, there's nothing wrong with that, but living a spirit-empowered life. You know, you can say a lot of things. You've, read, you've encountered this throughout your life, I'm sure. People who talk a certain talk, they share certain things about the Bible, but you look at their lives and it's complete contrast or something just isn't right. But when you have a person who lives, lives for God, they're spirit-empowered, live a spirit-empowered life, and they just begin to share here and there, it has a greater impact than someone shares the Bible and lives contrary to it. So a spirit-empowered witness, and it's more than just preaching and speaking, it's living, spirit-empowered living. 120 disciples receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And what do they do? Immediately, they begin sharing the gospel. And we see the function of the baptism of the Holy Spirit right there before us. And the example, again, I've mentioned this before, we, we as Pentecostals, we have this experience, and it's a wonderful experience, it's a promise experience. But sometimes we get caught, so caught up in the experience that we forget the purpose. And what we want to do is let's keep on going back to the upper room. When the purpose that we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to go out and be a witness. Today, some Christians believe that 
new birth and baptism of the Holy Spirit are one and the same. They're indistinguishable from each other. They believe the experience of the disciples was an isolated event and it's not available today. Unfortunately, these people never look at the same pattern occurring three other times, three separate times, four total throughout the book of Acts, where believers receive the Holy Spirit, they're born again, and subsequently they are baptized in or with the Holy Spirit, however you want to state that. These same folks might believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and other spiritual promises are no longer available for Christians today. That may be the view of some, and that may be the view of some denominations, but that's not what the Word of God says. Romans eleven twenty nine 29, for the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. How about this? Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Acts 2, 39, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. As many as the Lord God will call. God is still calling people to salvation today. Now more than ever, we need a spirit-empowered life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is still, still available to all born-again followers of Jesus, just as it was to the disciples in Acts chapter 2. All of us are called by Jesus to go and make disciples. And in order to fulfill that purpose, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, church, why would we want to make, try to make disciples in our own strength and power? We are limited. Why wouldn't we want to receive power, not only to be a witness to make, but to make disciples? It's a wonderful promise. We just have to be willing to receive. If you aren't born again, repent of your sins, surrender your life to Jesus, and once and for all, receive the Holy Spirit. If you are born again, but you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like the early disciples, ask. Just ask for the Lord to pour out his promise on you and receive by faith. The disciples were born again, received the Holy Spirit on the evening of the resurrection. Fifty days later, on the day of Pentecost, those same disciples received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, with all that in mind, I want you to consider what takes place, this ongoing experience the disciples have with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be looking at Acts chapters uh, 3 and 4, and it's where Peter and John, they go into the temple uh, in Jerusalem. They're going there to pray, and as they enter the temple gates, there's a beggar that's there, and they have this encounter with the beggar. And this is Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. You know, after this man is healed, John, Peter and John are, are pretty wise. They, they take the opportunity. They seize the moment. They have a crowd that is gathered. This man is miraculously healed. No one can deny it. And they begin to preach the gospel. And as a result, there are several thousand people that are saved on this day as well. Now, the temple officials see this commotion taking place, and they seize Peter and John, take them into custody, and bring them before the Sanhedrin. And Peter and John testify before the Sanhedrin what occurs, how this man was healed and what name they were preaching in, and how this all took place. 
And what takes place is this. The Sanhedrin, they're not comfortable with this. This is the man that was just crucified. And now these men are preaching in his name, saying that this man is healed because of Jesus. They're a little uncomfortable with that, but they've, they've broken no laws. So what they do is they admonish them not to preach in that name any longer, and they release them. Of course, Peter and John, they're, they're, they're as happy as a lark. They're rejoicing. They're released from custody. They go back to the disciples, and they report what's taken place. And this is what occurs as they're, as they're gathered there, Peter and John with the other disciples relaying. This is what took place. This is what took place in this, the temple courts and how we stood trial. We shared Jesus. They come back, and this is their experience. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, they were all assembled together. Uh, excuse me, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And look at this, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now remember, I don't want to labor this, but just hang with me. These same disciples received the Holy Spirit on the evening of the resurrection. The same disciples are filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now these same disciples, and this is fairly close to those events uh, on the day of Pentecost, they're also now filled again with the Holy Spirit. This is what I would emphasize when I see this. We see an ongoing, continual experience throughout the book of Acts with the disciples and with the Holy Spirit. See, they're not just filled with the Holy Spirit. They're once, they're done, and that's it. They are continually filled with the Spirit. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 5.18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the sentence is a, a passive imperative. So we should understand the verse to mean this, to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, being filled with the Spirit, again, it's not a one-and-done experience. Well, I got saved, I was born again, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I spoke in tongues, I was filled with the Spirit, praise God. No, church, we must be continually filled with the Spirit of God. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and they were filled again on this occasion and on several other occasions, we read, where they were filled with the Spirit. Again, there's nothing new, and this is not an isolated uh, passive imperative. There are other passive imperatives in the New Testament. For example, we're not just saved, we're being saved. Okay, we're not just transformed, we are being transformed. Uh, we're not just reconciled, we're being reconciled. We're not perfe perfect, we're being perfected. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in us. We're not just empowered, we're being empowered. We're not just humble, we should be humble. We're not, be we're not just sanctified, we are being sanctified. And again, we're filled with the Spirit, but we're being filled with the Spirit. Those are passive imperatives that we find throughout Scripture. So let's go back to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk with wine, and which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. A person who is filled with alcohol is under the influence of alcohol, which causes dissipation or the overindulgence of sensual pleasures. Now, I remember before I was born again, again, I didn't grow up in church. I got saved after I was 21, so I know what it's like to be drunk. And so you can see, be under the influence of alcohol, and you can do some stupid things. But likewise, if we're filled with the Spirit, it's not that we do stupid things. We are influenced by the Spirit to live according to the Spirit. We're under the influence of the Spirit of God when we're filled with the Spirit of God. 
Church, I don't know about you. I would much rather, I understand what both are. I've been filled with alcohol. I know what that's like. And I've been filled with the Spirit. I'll take the Spirit any day of the week. Amen? There are times when our spiritual tanks just run dry. And when that happens, we lack the ability to live according to the Spirit. Romans 8, 5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. Indeed, it can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When, when our spiritual tanks run dry, we begin to entertain desires and temptations we previously resisted. If you're going through a stressful time, that, that stressful experience will siphon away spiritual strength. When you're battling, when you're fighting, when you're standing your ground, you lose strength. And whenever we're, we have that strength siphoned away from us, it needs to be replaced. It needs to be replenished. Otherwise, we become spiritually weak and become very vulnerable. Think about this. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert, he didn't tempt him on day one or day two. Forty days. Forty days he waits. Why? Because he's tired. He's weak. Physically, he's drained. He's been fasting. And praying. He's been isolated for 40 days. And that's when the tempter comes. And I'm just saying, this is the same opportunity Satan looks for in our lives. When we become spiritually depe- depleted. We just are, 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 we're going through life, and life has just sucked all the life out of us, spiritual life out of us. And we just feel empty and hollow. And if we aren't replenishing ourselves spiritually, we lose strength. When we lose strength, it's difficult to stand against the devil. It's difficult to stand against temptation. It's difficult to stand against just desires, our own sinful desires. Listen to what Jesus said in regards to the Spirit in John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has set out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Wonderful thing about this is we're looking through this promise before the Holy Spirit was given. Church, the Holy Spirit has been poured out and we can receive. We're not looking at this as, man, I just can't, I hope, I hope that there is this promise. No, there is this promise. We just need to receive. Now the Holy Spirit has been given. He's been poured out. We can receive a perpetual flow, living water from our inmost being. There's an endless reservoir of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit isn't going to run out of himself. (laughs) He's not going to run out of his presence. He's not going to run out of power. He's not going to run out of peace. He's not going to run out of all these different attributes that are associated with him. Listen to what David wrote in Psalms 42.1. As the deer pants for water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. And some of us are, are like the deer panting for water. We're, we're running to and fro or to something or from something. And we need a drink. And some of us are fighting a fight and we're thirsty. When I, when I look at this verse, and, and I used to enjoy hunting a lot more uh, than I do today. Now I'm just too lazy. I just don't like to get out there anymore. 
But you know what's interesting about deer is you can watch them come in and bed down in front of you, but at some point in the day, they go get a drink of water. They're somewhere near the water usually. And they, they look for water. If they've been running, they're looking for water. Often when they've been injured or shot, you find them near water because they run to the water. And we're like the deer. We're panting for water. We're running to something. We're running from something. We need a drink. Some of us are fighting a fight and we're thirsty. We're like that deer that's panting for water. We're thirsty because we've been resisting the devil. Or we've just been warring in our own selves, our own desires. Or maybe there's just a battle outward that's taking place, a situation. And some of us are running and we're running low. We, don't, we know where the water is. It's no mystery. God is pouring out his spirit. We just need to receive. But why aren't we receiving? If we're in such a dry place, some of us just are so dry, we're, just, we're, running, we're, we're running out of energy. And you know, where do I run to? You've got to run to the presence of God, church. Instead of what we do is we try to do this. We find to find rest and strength in our flesh or in the world. And church, that's never possible. This world will never give your spirit what it needs. And we can make excuses and we can say, well, we're, we're battling spiritually and that's why we're so dry. And that, that might be true. But if you're in a spiritual battle, if you're truly in a spiritual battle, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you get tired and too tired to pray, too weary to read your Bible, too busy for church, that's not a good place. That's, that's never a good place. You know, I've been, I've been in full-time ministry for 25 years. And this has been my experience with church folks. And, and when I say church folks, I'm looking at myself too. We get ourselves into these messes. We get depleted spiritually. And I don't know anyone who has been serving God faithfully, filled with the Spirit continually, then suddenly backslide or fall into some egregious sin. We, we fail and we fall when we're dry and we're empty. Church, we, we can't come to church and expect the pastor or anyone else to fill us up. And I know that happens a lot in a lot of Pentecostal churches that we make promises that we can't keep. I can't fill you. I can't do that. I don't have the ability. But God can fill you. God can pour out his spirit into you. You can just receive him and he can fill you. Jesus said this, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, if you're thirsty, this is for you. you know what I mean, you're thirsty. We know this is a spiritual context because he says this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Let him come to me and drink. And then later, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And if you're dry and thirsty, come to Jesus. Draw near to him. Let the Holy Spirit fill you, not just fill you, but fill you continually. You know, we are at our best spiritually when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. I know this, I am at my best when I'm filled with the Spirit. I'll speak for myself. I am at my worst when I'm not filled with the Spirit. God is pouring out his Spirit perpetually, and we can be filled with the Spirit, but God isn't going to force anyone to be filled with the Spirit. Think back what Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, receive, and if you're thirsty for God, it, it doesn't matter who's preaching, who's ministering. If you don't want to be filled with the Spirit, you aren't going to be filled with the Spirit. There has to be that desire within you to be filled. And some of you are going through a desert place spiritually and you're thirsty. And if that's you, I got some good news. It's not a spiritual mirage, but God is still pouring out his Spirit. And you need to be reminded of that. And if you're thirsty, the water is available. There's an endless supply. 
Just stop what you're doing. Sometimes we're running to or from a lot of things. Stop what you're doing and seek Jesus. Some of us are filling ourselves this entire week with the world. And I understand, I'm not calling for isolationism or anything like that. We need to be in this world. This world desperately needs Jesus. We need to be witnesses. But frankly, when you are out there in the world, you're trying to live for Jesus, it pulls out of you. It just pulls strength out of you. And so we're out in this world, and and we're struggling in this world. We're living for Jesus, and it's being pulled from us. But if we're not replenishing that, again, we're going to get weak. And if you want to be filled with the Spirit, but you aren't willing to make adjustments to how you engage the flesh or how you engage this world, drinking, drinking, it's going to be like this. Uh, I want to be filled with the Spirit, but I'm going to still be filled with the world. That's like trying to drink water and eat sand at the same time. That, that doesn't even sound good. I mean, just, you know what sand feels like in your mouth, I'm sure. It is a nasty feel, isn't it? And just, you know, if you've ever played as a kid and you fell in the sand, you got sand in your mouth, oh, it's just disgusting. It just dries you out completely. And just imagine trying to drink water and eat sand at the same time. It just doesn't work. And it doesn't work spiritually. Most of us are in a dry because we are, we're satisfying our flesh rather than denying our flesh and being filled with the Spirit. And those two work simultaneously. If you work in the world all week and you're, you're, you're among sinners and you're trying to live a righteous witness and, and, and you're, you're spending spiritual strength. And to compound this, let's say this, you're, you're trying to live for Jesus, you're trying to be a witness, but at the same time you're facing temptation or you're going through a struggle. That is a difficult place to be. Let's say to compound anymore, you're struggling in your marriage or a relationship or there's another area of your life where you're struggling, you will be depleted very quickly. It's church Sunday. I I think we should come to church. I want you to come to church. But if this is the only time you're filling up, you're probably struggling when you hit those times. And we're all going to hit those times and seasons. And that's where me as a pastor, I wish, I wish, you know, some people that go through things, you know they're going through things, you reach out to them, and it's just, it's just nothing. Just birds chirping. And all I can do is just pray for you. I've seen Christians get so depleted that they think the best thing to do is just start skipping church. And in all my years of pastor, I've never seen that strategy work. Unfortunately, I've seen the opposite. And the longer people do that, the more depleted they become spiritually. Because what church does is while this is not the answer to everything, I get that. But it does play an important part. And it plays an important part because there's a reminder that takes place. Every time you walk in these doors and someone is here, you know that you're not alone. You know, when you walk through those doors, you're held accountable, so to speak. And so there's also an encouragement, especially when you know people are going through things just like you are. And you're like, you know what? I just need to, I need, I just need to be faithful. I just need to keep plugging away. Just keep seeking after God. It's an encouragement factor. The, the one thing Satan loves to do with us, especially when we're depleted, is to get us isolated. And I understand, sometimes you just physically, you're like, I just can't get up and go to church. You just got to scrape yourself off that bed and get to church sometimes. Pastor, I'm tired. I, I hear you. But some of you came here this morning, you're tired, and you're weary, you need to drink, and you need to be filled with the Spirit. But let's say during worship, for example. Worship is something, again, it's not an answer to everything, but it is a way to receive. 
It is a way to get closer to God. It is a way for God to pour out his spirit into you. And so I'm just saying, maybe during worship, rather than being a spectator, become a participator. Worship the Lord. You know, there is something that takes place when people worship together, and it's something that you can't do at home, you can't do on your couch. It's not, it's not even something you can do in your car. And there's nothing wrong with personal worship time, but there's something that takes place different when the body of Christ comes together for worship. God tabernacles in the praises of his people. Pastor, I don't know the songs, or you may say, I don't even like the songs. Listen, who cares what bottle the water is in? Just drink. Just receive. You know, there, it shouldn't matter what the songs are, to be honest with you. You know, I've used this example before. If you go on a missions trip, you go to some places and you don't know the language. But it's amazing how you can get in those environments. You don't know the language, but you can worship because the presence of God is there. And often you're there to serve and your mind isn't on taste or anything else. You just don't even care. You're there to worship. And you know, you can sing that, bring that same mindset to church right here at our church. If you're thirsty, who cares? Who cares? Draw closer to God. He will draw closer to you. And some of us are dry because we aren't really thirsty for God. God is pouring out his spirit, but we're not receiving because we're not filling up. We're filling up with other things. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. Let me share the story with you. A storm descends on a small town, and the downpour soon turns into a flood. As the waters rise, the local preacher kneels in prayer on the church porch surrounded by water. By and by, one of the townsfolks come up the street in a canoe. Better get in, preacher. The, water, the waters are rising fast. No, says the preacher, I have faith in the Lord. He will save me. Still, the waters rise. Now the preacher is up to the, on the balcony, wringing his hands in supplication when another guy zips up in a motorboat. Come on, preacher. We need to get you out of there. The levee's going to break any minute. Once again, the preacher is unmoved. I shall remain. The Lord will see me through. After a while, the levee breaks. The flood rushes over the church until only the steeple remains above the water. And the preacher is up there clinging to the cross when a helicopter descends out of the clouds. And a state trooper calls down to him through the megaphone. Grab the ladder, preacher. This is your last chance. Once again, the preacher insists the Lord will deliver him. And predictably, he drowns. A pious man, the preacher goes to heaven. After a while, he gets an interview with God, and he asks the Almighty, Lord, I had unwavering faith in you. Why didn't you deliver me from that flood? And God shakes his head. What did you want from me? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. God is pouring out his spirit. We just need to receive. Well, I just don't like how it's coming out. I don't like where it's coming out from. Well, you just need to receive, Amen. Sometimes we just get so dry, we get so thirsty that we get so set on certain things. And church, we just need to be hungry for God. God has made available to, everything, to all of us everything we need to grow spiritually. Uh, if, if our soul is thirsty, but we're looking for replenishment in all the wrong places, we're going to be vulnerable. And God is pouring out his spirit, and we need to do this. We just need to come to him and receive. And there's no, I wish I could stand here and say, if you, if you just do this, this, and this, you will be filled. Listen, some of you receive differently, and I get that. There are some of you maybe around the altar, and we can pray, and God can fill you, because that can happen, and that does happen. But for some of you, that doesn't work. 
Some of you just need to go off and get alone for a while and get alone with God. Uh, so, but I can tell you this, most of the time it's not, yeah, we need to pray. Yes, we need to read our Bible. Yes, we need to go to church. Yes, we need to be discipled. Yes, we should be serving, those different things. But more than that, sometimes we just need to separate ourselves from stuff, from this world. You know, I, I've said this before. Um, this thing right here, this thing right here is, is causing so much problems in our world. And there's so many times I'm just like, you know, I just want to throw this thing away. But I'm like, ah, I can't because I got so much information in there. I got, I got so much of my life tied up in this thing. But this thing is pulling so much from us. And it could be our, our TV, it could be a habit, whatever it is, just depleting us spiritually. And until we can, we can try to, to read our Bible more, pray more, plug in more, whatever, but if, if this is, I'm just saying as an example, if this is one of the things that's depleting you, then you got to put this thing down. It's just sucking life from you. God's given us all this wonderful resource, the Holy Spirit, and it's available to us 24-7. We just need to come to him, leave some th certain things behind that are drawn away from us, and be filled with the Spirit. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you are weary and need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is offering you a great exchange. Whatever it is that's depleting you, pulling from you, drawing strength from you, just lay it down, leave it there, he'll take it, and he'll give you something better in exchange. He'll fill you with his presence. He'll fill you with peace. He'll fill you with love. whatever it is. He'll fill you. And God is pouring out his spirit. All we have to do is receive. Come closer to him. Leave behind whatever it is that's pulling from us. Draw closer to him and we'll be filled. Church, receive, receive today. Just allow the Holy Spirit to fill you this morning. As we gather around the altar here in a moment, receive communion. Allow God to fill you this morning.